What's up, guys? My name is Brian Cartarelli, and I'm a sophomore at Bentley University. Briefly had a channel called Sports Forecast, but I've decided to rebrand and go all in on the Celtics, and we are now the Celtics Fifth Quarter Podcast. My buddy Billy and I will be giving you post-game analysis throughout the Celtics playoff run. In addition to that, we'll have some side episodes where we dive deeper into Celtics analysis. Overall, I'm really excited about the future of this channel, and without further ado, let's hop into the first game recap. What's up, guys, and welcome to the first ever episode of the Celtics Fifth Quarter Podcast. I'm joined today by my buddy, Billy, and we're going to be doing post-game analysis like this through the rest of the playoffs. Uh, Celtics won game one against the Sixers tonight, 109-101. to And before we get into the takeaways of the game, I'm going to let Billy do a quick introduction of himself. Dude, I got to tell you, I've been telling you to do this for the longest time. I'm glad to see you uh, out here doing the uh, on the Celtics beat or the Celtics, whatever you want to call it. Excited to get on here and talk some Celtics basketball with you. I'm Billy Ray Mitchell. I uh, started off doing the Hung Up podcast, then turned to the Speak Easy podcast, which, uh, Brian, you did come on once, talked a little basketball, and then now I do the Sons of Saturday podcast, um, which is centered around Virginia Tech football. So if we have any Virginia Tech Hokie fans that are also like Celtics basketball, Give us a listen. We're a ton of fun. Or if you like college football, we interviewed uh, the head coach of Virginia Tech, basketball and football. So you can check that out. Um, but yeah, just excited to see you taking this thing and running with it and uh, excited to talk about the Celtics throughout the playoffs here. I'm glad you're on here with me today. I mean, great game tonight. Jason Tatum led all scores with 32. Jalen Brown not far behind him with 29. What do you think your main takeaway of the game was? Here's the thing. Um, more than anything else tonight, and it was referenced by Doris a few times in the, in the broadcast, this was a physical basketball game. And especially with, you know, there were times throughout the game, uh, towards the end when Joel Embiid, it it was almost like he fell in slow motion. You're watching Joel Embiid fall down. And all I'm seeing is Kemba Walker on the ground. And I'm like, please don't fall on porcelain glass, Kemba Walker. And then there was Al Harford. What the hell, Al? Al Harford grabs Jalen Brown. Hard foul. Had no problem with him wrapping him up, but he almost threw him to the side. I was surprised to see. I mean, were you surprised to see Al throw Jalen like that? What are we doing? Yeah, I, I mean, I was watching the game with my dad, and we were debating whether or not it was a flagrant while it was under review. And I said the thing that, to me, made it a flagrant foul, not just a common foul, because I'm all for hard fouls. I think yeah. if someone's got an open layup, you just you can hack them all you want, make sure they don't get that easy layup no and one or anything but he put his second arm around him and he almost like kind of twisted him mm-hmm. and that's when it kind of gets dangerous because now he's he's up in the air and he can come off balance land on his ankle trip and land on his head and get a concussion and i don't know i'm fine with a hard foul but i'm not fine with that twist in motion especially when he's in midair it's one thing if he did that hold on to him hold jumped. on to him he i know al harford's a strong dude man he's got big shoulders there's some history there you know, and I thought of Al Harford as the big bear. You know, he was yelling today. He was he, for a guy that was logged a minus eighteen or minus seventeen. This dude was this dude was was active and aggressive today. And then there was the uh, Joel Embiid um, little forearm shiver to Marcus Smart. And I gotta say, Marcus Smart exercised fantastic restraint mm. by not getting teed up. Old Marcus would have got teed up in that moment. I mean, if you could read his lips, he was he was going up to him. He's like, "Listen, I respect you." As a player, like, but don't do yeah. that. Don't, don't hit me in the face, man. <laughs> and, like, I, I don't know. Embiid's always been chippy, and, I mean, Marcus is a bit chippy too, but that's definitely something to look forward to in the rest of the series, that 
those two are going to go back and forth. And I, I expect Marcus to play a lot better in these coming games, which means he'll play a lot more physical because usually the better he plays, the more physical he plays. And I expect him to, to get into something with Embiid. Absolutely. And look, as we kind of break this game down, you know, Brian, we were talking about this. We're going to kind of work out the order here. Uh, you know, this is our first time running it here. So um, right now what we have is basically we took a bunch of takeaways from the games, broke it down into the subjects that made sense for us. But if you have any feedback and think there's better ways for us to do it, please hit us with the feedback. Let's talk about the offense a little bit. What did you think about the offense tonight? It looked very unorganized at times. Uh, there was times where I was just screaming at my TV, like, what are you doing? Um, it wasn't the usual Celtics offense. There wasn't much ball movement. And, uh, I mean, Gordon Hayward really stuck out to me just because I was so excited to see him being aggressive in the, in the seeding games that he was attacking the basket and he was getting to the rim. And he just wasn't doing that tonight. And Kemba was settling for little mid-range fallaways. And overall, they just looked like, discombobulated that was the word I was using and uh I would love to see them attack more that Joel Embiid kind of just stands in the paint you can definitely draw him out by attacking more and making him foul like if he's if he's just gonna stand there and you attack him and he gets into foul trouble he's gonna be less likely to just stand there and he's gonna be forced to cover his uh defender that's another thing that's I didn't see any Celtic small ball tonight that they had a center on the court at all time if you run small ball, obviously that gives you a disadvantage defensively that nobody's going to be able to stop Embiid, but nobody's going to stop Embiid in general. If you run small ball, now you got to have Embiid come out of the paint because he's got to cover a shooter. So I would like to see Brad run that maybe for a couple minutes, see how it works in the coming games, especially with Hayward probably out. I think you're going to see a, a variety of lineups in the coming games. I'm excited. Uh, the couple things that I noticed here, uh, and you mentioned both of them. I think a big reason that we fell behind in the third quarter. I mean, that just can't happen. Going to set, basically a seventeen nothing run, the Sixers did in the third quarter. Celtics had control of the ball game after halftime, and um, the Celtics just stopped attacking the tin. And you know, we'll get into this a little bit later when we talk about Jason Tatum and uh, talk about attack mode. But we really just stopped attacking the paint. And when we stopped attacking the paint, our offense got out of rhythm. Kemba had to come off the floor. Um, and quite honestly, we got soft. I mean, we didn't really raise to the temperature of the room. And, you know, we were kind of looking around like who's going to take control of this ball game. And, you know, Gordon Hayward has to step out. Jalen Brown gets banged up. Um, and uh, I think those were the two primary reasons why we were really sluggish here. I mean, well, obviously we got killed on the boards, but we knew that was going to happen but we really stopped attacking the rim and really didn't get anybody in uh, on Philly in foul trouble. So we stopped doing that in the third quarter, but let's kind of move into this next segment here of the should happens and the should not happens. And Brian, why don't you kick us off here with the should happens? So my first should happen was Jason Tatum. He, he'd be on the floor for like three minutes and not touch the ball on offense. Why? 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 Why would bring the ball up and he would, Take a, take a shot. He was 0 for 5 tonight, and just he had no business shooting in the second half. You could tell it was just not his night. And then they would do these weird passes and not give Jason Tatum any looks. And unless you're on a fast break or there's a wide-open layup, I feel like Jason Tatum should touch the ball on almost every possession, that he, he can create offense for himself and for others just because he's going to draw so much attention, that when you're in a set offense and not on a fast break, you should look to get Jason Tatum the ball pretty much every time. So my, my second one was you got to attack the basket. We've been talking about this a little bit, but you got to attack the basket. You got to force Joel Embiid 
into foul tra- trouble, just get to the rim. Like that's when the Celtics are playing at their best. Is it creates space for the threes when they're attacking the rim because it'll draw other guys in, get that open corner look that Jalen Brown had been doing so much of in the seeding games. You could just see him camping in the corner. Kemba would drive in, draw the defender, and kick out to Jalen Brown for the open three. And they were doing none of that tonight. That nobody was attacking, and Embiid I think finished with maybe four fouls, and that's something I want to see them change. Um, another thing is just force Joel Embiid to move on defense. That he just he literally just stands there. Uh, I mean, Daniel Tice took five three pointers tonight. If you want Embiid to respect your shot, you got to hit more than one of them, and he didn't. Uh, so, like I said, I think that Celtics might roll with some small ball or something just to try to mix up the way that Joel Embiid plays defense because he played 38 minutes tonight and he, I mean, he always looks lazy, but he didn't look he didn't look out of breath at the end of the game, and that's something that you got to change. One other thing here is I'm looking at free throws made, uh, free throws attempted here. So, if you take Tatum, you take Hayward, you take Brown, and you take Walker, you're looking at 23 total free throws. If you add up Hayward, you add up Tatum, you add up Brown, and you add up Walker, you got to be around 30 free throw attempts. That just it has to be the way that it is, especially playing against the Sixers here. There is absolutely no reason that Gordon Hayward should have attempted zero free throws. Jalen Brown's one of the best free throw shooters in the league. I think he actually is, by percentage, the best free throw shooter in the league. He needs to be getting on the line more than six times. Uh, and then Kemba Walker as well. Stay healthy, but we need to be getting him to the free throw line as well. In terms of should not happens, you already mentioned it. My boy Tice doesn't need to be having hoisting up five three-point attempts. It just doesn't need to happen. Um, I love making Joel move, and I think Tice and Cantor both did a good job of that, setting screens, rolling, being active. Um, so they need, definitely need to continue doing that, but Tice does not need to be taking five threes. Uh, and also – my guy Tice, I mean, you can't have three rebounds in 25 minutes. Again, like if you're on the floor and we're going to have you playing in that large amount of time, we, we have to, you have to give us something. I know we're not going to win the rebounding battle against Philly, uh, but three rebounds in 25 minutes is just unacceptable. Yeah, I mean, Tatum luckily had, I think he had either 12 or 13 rebounds, so picking up the slack a little bit there. And I mean, Cantor, Cantor had a couple of rebounds. He had a couple of offensive rebounders. and. That's what he's good at, but uh, definitely need more rebounding from Tice. So another another should not happen, I think, is the Celtics fell to Philadelphia's pace a little bit in the second half, and I think that's part of the reason that Philadelphia went on that run. So the Celtics play better when they play at a faster pace. Philadelphia obviously has a slower pace because they run the offense through a big man. And the Celtics fell to that pace that they were kind of just lackluster on offense and you could see that they, that wasn't their offense. That was part of the reason they weren't getting their shots. And I think that's going to be an emphasis for Brad Stevens because I know it, you could see he was getting frustrated on the sidelines as he's going to make sure that they play at a faster pace in the following games. So, But uh, another thing I want to talk about is outside of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, we had a pretty poor shooting night all around. I mean, Gordon Hayward shot like 5 of 13. Kemba was 0 of 4 from 3. Marcus Smart was 0 of 5 from the field. That that's just not going to happen every night that mm-hmm. those bad games happen. And we're lucky that we have two star players that can pick up the slack, but you can expect a bounce back game from Campbell from Marcus, especially Marcus is probably going to be involved in the offense even more with Hayward likely out. Uh, but I would expect them to shoot much better. So we, we've talked a lot about the starting five. Now we can dive into the benches a little bit where the Celtics were very much outplayed in my opinion. Celtics were definitely outplayed. Um, I got to say, 
And I'll let you kick it off with the Celtics, but the Sixers got a great showing out of their bench. You had Burks with 18 points. And I got to tell you, it, it hurts to watch Thibault play. I wanted Thibault as a Celtic really, really bad. He only had five points, but his defense on Tatum was fantastic all night. Uh, and he's just active. He knows where to be on the court at all times. He's constantly moving, disrupting. Um, so Burks and Thibault both played huge roles for the 76ers. Um, did a fa- fantastic job defensively. Yeah, I love Matisse Thibault. He's one of my favorite young players. Should be a Celtic. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. But um, Matisse Thibault is a great young defender. But the, the main problem for the Celtics is they had eight, eight bench points. That, that's just not acceptable in any game, even though they won. I mean, Marcus Marr had two points. Brad Wanamaker had two points. Rob Williams. No, Brad Wanamaker had four points, and Rob Williams had two points. That, and I don't, I don't know how many minutes they played combined, but that's just not acceptable. And uh, nothing, Robert Williams, he looked lost. He played very well in the seeding games. I thought that maybe he would start playing big minutes in the playoffs, but it was obvious that he can't compete with either Al Horford or Joel Embiid, and he just looked lost at times. Uh, Ennis Cantor, I thought that he wouldn't play much against the Sixers because he's a defensive liability. Thought he wouldn't be able to defend Embiid. But he actually played a good stretch of minutes tonight. He had a good offensive rebound where he kicked out to three. Jalen Brown hit it. It was like kind of a turning point. It kind of ended the Philadelphia run in the third quarter. So that was a big play. Really, I really like that from Cantor. Uh, and Brad Wanamaker, he he played he played all right. I mean, he he didn't really do much tonight, but he didn't really do anything bad. He didn't play that much. But I don't I don't really expect to see much of Brad Wanamaker against the Sixers. They're a big team. Brad Wanamaker's a small guard. But can I zag? Can I zag here, Brian? Yes, you can. Okay. Here's here's the point that I want to make. Cantor hasn't played a ton in the seeding games, so I really just wanted to see what we'd get out of him. And Tice was gassed at, uh, and again, Doris, fantastic, one of the best in the business. Doris pointed it out that Tice was gassed, and Cantor comes on, and he's not a complete liability. He was active, he was moving around, so I thought he was okay. But but Wanamaker, I mean, I look back at like, you know, I look back at like the winter, and I look back at even before the restart, and this guy was he was unplayable. Like, you know, it was to the point where he gets on the court and it's almost like the people on there are talking about like, this is a, as a charity thing. Like he's coming on here, he's coming from Japan. And it was like, you cannot play this guy. He, there's no way you can play meaningful minutes of basketball. And although he didn't really make a huge difference, he is in a position now and in the restart games, I think you can have him on the court because somebody's going to have to, turn in minutes i'm not saying he's going to be a game breaker but if you can get valuable minutes out of him and it's not a complete eyesore to have him out there when kemba gets some rest um i think that that's definitely a step forward yeah brad wanamaker's consistent that's the use uh, that was that's the word that's I would all you can ask for uh he actually led the nba in free throw percentage here he shot 90 almost 93 percent from the free throw line which is ridiculous and mm-hmm. he actually led all the players in net rating in the bubble for the first eight games which surprised me but yeah he's been playing very well recently um i'm fine with him getting some minutes here and there but yeah like you said he's not going to be the make or break player you're not mm-hmm. going to see him in crunch time and i'm fine with that there's no reason he should be you tweeted about this today uh and there's just one thing that and and i know we've said it before i've tweeted it before it's it's blatantly obvious but there's one guy that just it, it's it's completely night and day from last year and uh, I'm going to let you go ahead and talk about this one guy that just makes it a ton of fun to watch basketball again. That would be Kemba Walker. I mean, there was, there was a play in the fourth quarter. The Celtics were up, I think, 
six or eight points in Philadelphia went down the court and just got two easy buckets. It looked like they just stopped playing basketball and the, the Celtics were just done playing. There's like a minute and a half left and Philadelphia was getting, I think they had like two or three offensive rebounds in one possession. And the next possession, Daniel Tice boxed out Joel Embiid and the ball was going right to Embiid. It was going to be an easy offensive rebound. Kemba Walker jumps up, grabs the ball, and then is fouled by Joel Embiid. And immediately the first thing that went to my head was, that's a leader right there. That's something that Kyrie Irving would have never done. And I, I texted my friends in my group chat, and I said, that play right there is what a leader is. And I fully believe that, that it's night and day from Kyrie to Kemba. That Kyrie might be better at basketball, but Kemba, what he brings to the table is just, it's night and day to Ky- versus Kyrie. He's a ton of fun to watch play. And, you know, I, I used to watch, you know, I grew up going to the Big East tournaments uh, in Madison Square Garden. And, and he just, he's fun to watch. Like the way that he approaches the game, the way that he interacts with his teammates. And quite honestly, you know, it's a pleasure to watch this entire team. The Jason Jalen relationship is fantastic. Uh, Grant Williams, I mean, Grant Williams is out there, you know, he plays two minutes, he's diving on the floor. Marcus Smart is out there making, you know, championship plays. And look, we didn't play great tonight. Uh, there's a lot of things that we definitely need to sure up. But at the end of the day, this team is just a, a pleasure to get to watch. You know, Kemba Walker is doing a fantastic job leading this team um, and really just kind of ca- commandeering and taking control of everything down the stretch and uh, guiding us to a W here. Uh, another thing that I saw is so in the, in the regular season when we played the Sixers, Josh Richardson was kind of our kryptonite that he would just – we would – focus all our attention on Joel Embiid and I think Josh Richardson had 30 points in more than one game against the Celtics this year and he was somewhat invisible tonight I think he still had 18 points very quietly though and I would expect to see a lot more of Josh Richardson if I'm Brett Brown I'm involving Josh Richardson a lot more in the offense because Celtics did not do a very good job of guarding him in previous games and Tobias Harris played really well in the first half especially the first quarter he was getting all his buckets and then he just disappeared that I don't even remember saying like seeing Tobias Harris in the second half that if I'm, you had that one and one uh in the in the second half and that is all that I remember from Tobias Harris that whole second half yeah and I mean Tobias Harris getting paid like 34 million dollars a year <laughs> Dude, said it earlier he's Costco brand Jalen Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum that's all he is he's got to figure it out but I would expect to see more of Josh Richardson and Tobias Harris in the coming games that Tonight was kind of the Alec Burke show. Don't expect to see that more uh, in the continuing games. But I honestly think the bottom line tonight, the reason why Boston won the game, even though they did not play well, is Philadelphia had 18 turnovers and Boston had seven. And that was, that was the difference in the game. That even though we weren't playing our game offensively, we got enough points off, off the turnovers to put ourselves over the edge, and that's why we won. So moving forward, I think Gordon Hayward is – almost certainly out of game two. I'd be surprised to see him play in game two, whether he's back for three or four or any time after that, that's, that's up to the Celtics medical staff. And I, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen with that, but somebody's going to get those minutes. Um, I don't, it's not going to be Grant Williams because Grant William, he, he typically plays bigger minutes like against big men. I mean, uh, so it's going to be one of the three of Romeo Langford, Semi Ojale or Javante. No, no. No, we're not doing the semi ojale thing. It's got to be Langford and it's got to be Javante. You got to break these down. You got to break these down for me. So you get ten seconds out of Langford today. Green is a DNP. Semi is a DNP. What? 
I'm not even. I I can't see Semi. We're done with Semi Ojale. He Billy cannot play. Like Semi Ojale, if you can't, he can't. He, he's unplayable. He's the unplayable. Reason, the reason you might see Semi Ojale though is because he's bigger. That Philadelphia is just a bigger team. So I would I would not expect to see Javante Green in game two. It's between Langford and Semi. And it's going to come down to situation. Like, uh, Romeo Langford is a really good defender, um, but he's a smaller defender. He's like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, and he's not big, whereas Semi Ojale is bigger. So you can match him up against Tobias Harris, even though I still think that's a mismatch, where you can't do that with Romeo Langford. Uh, so that's going to be a toss-up. That's going to be something that Brad probably comes down to situation. Um, but I don't know. It's going to be one of those two for sure. And I would probably expect Grant Williams to play more, but more take those minutes from Rob Williams, just because Rob Williams did not seem comfortable in today's game. Uh, and you, you can't really have that in the playoffs. It's a tough matchup too. I mean, you got a, you got a youngster going up against Al Harford, even though he wasn't great tonight, season vet, been in the playoffs. I mean, there's uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find someone who's been in the playoffs more than Al, uh, Al Harford. He actually East. has played the most amount of games. In NBA history in the playoffs without making an NBA finals. Fun fact. There you go. Fun facts from Brian. And then you have Joel Embiid who, I mean, again, look, it just, it is fascinating to watch and you only get it in spurts, how talented he is and how frustrating he must be to watch from a oh, 76ers yeah. standpoint. I mean, you watch him like a Sixers fan. every time I watch him at where he is, either at the free throw line or above. And it's just, that's a win. Like any time that he exits the paint, any, any time it's a win for the defense. And to see him towards the, at the end of the game, even Cantor did a great job of fronting him and not being able to, they tried to get him an entry pass. They had the ball. I think it was Tobias Harris was in the corner, the far corner trying to get it in and Cantor did a great job, but that is what Embiid needs to do every single time down there. There is zero reason for him to be spending any time above the free throw line. I mean, yeah, the, end of the game the inbounds play and Joel Embiid takes a 30-foot three-pointer why the game's on the line I mean they weren't going to win that game regardless but really like what Mm -hmm. you have no business taking that shot I don't know I'm not a big Joel Embiid fan I think he's got all the talent in the world he's just he's a specimen I mean he's like seven feet and he's insanely gifted but he must be so frustrating to watch as a Sixers fan I especially with Simmons too who's another player who's not playing at all in this series who is very frustrating to watch. It would just, it's probably been a very long season for Sixers fans. So Brian, give me your player of the game. It was actually a tough one. I think the Jalen Brown played very well in this game. He had 29 points and six rebounds, four assists and three steals. But I think you got, you got to give it to Jason Tatum that he was hitting the big shots at 32 points and led the Celtics in rebounding at 13. Uh, he's the youngest Celtics player to ever have 30 and 10 playoff game he had a career high in playoff points he played great and especially in the first half and down the stretch in the fourth Jason Tatum was lights out and Jason Tatum is a top 15 player in the NBA my opinion that there's no argument it's not really an opinion it's it's a fact at this point I remember at the beginning of the season I said to my friend if if you can convince me at the end of the year that Kemba Walker is not the best player on the Celtics then they're contenders. And I think you have an argument that Kemba Walker is the third best player on the Celtics now. And that shows you how much progress both Tatum and Brown have made and what this team can accomplish. And again, I think the biggest thing 
um, for Tatum has been his ability to get to the free throw line. Um, that has been my biggest problem with Tatum was it was his unwillingness to attack the hoop. And, you know, aside from that, the level of difficulty on some of these drives where he was finishing and not getting the call, but I mean, he was doing stuff that, you know, you were used to seeing Kyrie Irving do on crazy different, uh, off the backboard, you know, you know, under the hoop, whatever he's finishing, he's making, he's making winning plays. And again, even though he wasn't getting the calls tonight, he goes to the free throw line 11 times, knocks down 10 of them. So I think that's been the biggest turning point for Jason Tatum. And he was mic'd up tonight and he's leading on the court. I mean, he's another one of those guys taking this team, taking ownership. And, you know, it's, it, it seems like it was, uh, you know, not so long ago, but Jason Tatum back when the, uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals against LeBron James a few years ago, that was the problem is he dunks on LeBron and then kind of disappears for the rest of the game. Right now, he knows how good he is, and he knows that he's the locomotive that's really pulling this thing along. I think one of the biggest things with Tatum is his ability to finish at the rim has given him so much more confidence in attacking that he's just become unstoppable. That There was a time where every time Jason Tatum went up for a layup, you cross your fingers that it was going to go in, that he was really struggling to finish around the rim. And now it's just like you find yourself in awe every time he touches the ball. And, you know, the best thing that ever could have happened to Jason Tatum was Kyrie Irving leaving. Well, not to mention also another thing that, that, that I've noticed is his ability to blow by guys now. Like he has so many tools in his bag where, you know, he'll be up around the three-point line and they're respecting his three-point shot and he's blowing by guys, getting their shoulder past him. Um, I mean, every aspect of his game is so well polished. Uh, and I encourage everybody listening on the Ryan, Ryan Rosillo podcast. We'll, we'll tweet this out. Ryan Rosillo actually had the, uh, the trainer that has been working with, uh, with Jason Tatum this off season, uh, and just talking about kind of the phases of his game that they worked on and kind of the growing pains that he went through last year. It's a fantastic listen. Um, but just kind of seeing how he's, every game and throughout his career just added tools to his bag and how polished he was even just coming out of Duke. He's just continued to get better, continued to push. And obviously a lot of that is attested to him and also Brad's system for fitting around his skill set and the team's skill set as well. Um, but other than that, Brian, what about the turning point of the game? My turning point, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, was the Ennis Cantor offensive rebound that he passed out, passed out to Jalen Brown, who knocked down a three. It, it pretty much ended the Philadelphia run. And from there on, the Celtics controlled the game. And Ennis Cantor, I, he didn't play much. I think he played like three or four minutes in that stretch. But that play alone was a turning point in the game for me. Uh, but, yeah, bottom line, what's your bottom line, Billy? Here's my bottom line. One year ago, if we were playing this ball game, there is no way that we lose this game. This is a typical script for a game where nobody rose to the occasion. Philadelphia came out physical. They had some guys hitting shots that wouldn't normally hit shots. We weren't getting calls. Shots weren't falling. But the combination of this team's togetherness, the leadership, and also Tatum's aggressive attack and willingness to drive was a complete game changer. We come back to it again. Kemba Walker leading this young team. Um, I think that is what the bottom line is for me, is that one year ago today, one year ago, I don't see this team pulling this game out here. Yeah, I completely agree that uh, last year's team, they were – known for falling apart when other teams went on runs. And I, I give a lot of credit to Brad Stevens for putting a, he's been, he's been a much better coach this year in the way that he's been able to stop runs. He's found out ways to stop runs by using his timeouts better and stuff. But the bottom line is a year ago, we lose this game. No doubt. I think a lot of that is attested to Kemba and his leadership, but 
a lot of it's also attested to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown's development. It's been a good first episode. We'll be back on Wednesday after game two. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we're at Celtics Fifth or on Instagram at Celtics Fifth Quarter. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday.